You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 326th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 1,012th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of February 15th, 2024. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. So for this week's Banner Moment, I want to shine a spotlight on our terrific women's basketball team, which currently sits one game out of first in the Big Ten with a 12-2 conference record, 21-3 overall. And over the last five seasons, Terry Moran's Hoosiers are a combined 118-25, which equates to a winning percentage of 82.5% with a Big Ten title, four NCAA tournament appearances, a Sweet 16, and an Elite Eight. And of course, would be five NCAA tournament appearances were it not for the one canceled by COVID. And this past week provided a reminder of what has made Morin's program so special, player development. Let's start with Chloe Moore McNeil, who is doing an excellent impression of Greg Graham in 1993, stepping up her game on both ends to compensate for an injured teammate. And seriously, kids, look that one up. It's one of the more underrated individual stretches of play in IU history. Not only did Chloe recently notch a triple-double, but the senior who shot 14.8% from three as a freshman is now shooting 43.5% from deep and is nine for nine across her last two games. Of course, we have to discuss Mackenzie Holmes, who was the number 53 player overall and the number 11 center in her recruiting class. She was good as a freshman, scoring 10.8 points per game, and has developed into a star. The last two seasons, she averaged over 20 points per game and has become not only the all-time scoring leader in IU women's basketball history, but also a first-team All-American and a two-time first-team All-Conference selection. I could go on and on. Sarah Scalia just set a record for three-pointers made in a season and is shooting the best three-point percentage of her career. Sydney Parrish has improved across the board since becoming a Hoosier. You get the idea. When Yogi Ferrell graduated, Indiana men's basketball fell off a cliff, only getting back on its feet for the final two years of Trace Jackson Davis's career. Trace left, and again, the men's program has fallen off a cliff. No one was ready to step in and keep going. That hasn't happened in Morin's program. Program greats like Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill leave, and two seasons later, Allie Patberg, Grace Berger, and Jalen Penn had Indiana back in the top four of the Big Ten. Then Mackenzie Holmes, Alexa Goulbay, and others improved to the point where Indiana finished second in the Big Ten. Last season, Indiana was one of the best teams in the country. Then an all-time great in Grace Berger leaves, and players like Scalia, Parrish, Moore McNeil, and Yarden Garzon step up to keep the team near the top of the Big Ten. And while replacing this year's senior class will be tough, and Morin's program may experience a dip, the development we've already seen from Lexis Bargesser, Lene Beaumont, Jules Lamandola, and others, plus Morin's ability to find effective multi-year transfers, is enough to give any IU fan confidence that the dip will be short-lived. This is what it looks like at top college basketball programs. Even in this era, most programs who achieve consistent success aren't doing it primarily with transfers or on the men's side with one and dones. 
Good programs recruit good players who fit their system and develop them into great players who fit their system. When these players can develop together across multiple seasons, you build the kind of culture and chemistry that is needed to win tough games. The transfer portal is used to plug roster holes or find undervalued assets who can become more at IU, but it's not the foundation for your team. Time will tell how much higher Terry Morin can take IU women's basketball. She's already delivered the best stretch of seasons in school history with a culture of player development at its heart. Hopefully someday soon, the men will be able to find a similar formula that produces similar results. Okay, now let me introduce my co-host for this week. First up, he is the Steve Spagnolo of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the world's most renowned bracketologists, Sandy Bottoms. The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first class bracketology, if you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, that song always makes me happy. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball, college basketball, whatever you want to talk about? Uh, you know, what you said about the women's program is so true. And I think every time I feel like I've been on with Jeff and Kathy end up saying the same thing of, you know, this is what the men's program aspires to be is what you see the way they, the way they play, the consistency, the effort, the toughness, all of the things that, um, everybody wants the the men's team to be the women's team already is. And, uh, I think what you described was a lot of reasons why. So they've been a lot of fun to watch over the last week or so. Um, with you know, beating beating Purdue, Mackenzie Holmes setting the record, and and even last night being able to go on the road and win a Wisconsin team that's not expected to do a whole lot, but just take care of business, let it get a little bit close, and then and then kind of ran them out of there uh, in the fourth quarter. So uh, just a, an exciting team to watch in about a week, uh, I believe, is when they uh, they hook up with Iowa again. So that'll be a big one uh, for the women's team. As for the men's team. Uh, I think for, from my perspective, it's been, uh, kind of nice not to, <laughs> not to have games to watch to take a little bit of a break from it. I think, uh, it, it, certainly the, the tenor of the questions that we received from the mailbag tonight suggests other people were probably ready for a similar thing. And, and so now, uh, you see if this team can, can regroup a little bit coming down the stretch. Uh, they face a Northwestern team that's really reeling, uh, after, uh, the, the Barry injury, uh, to lost tonight at Rutgers, uh, had a guy get thrown out on a pretty cheap Ryan, call uh yeah, Brian Langborg who uh yeah. was a fellow alum from my high school by the way <laughs> yeah so it, uh, bad call ref yeah San it was Diego not chicken uh, yeah it was it was probably not warranted of getting thrown out of the game but that's uh that's neither here nor there so you know they come in kind of desperate for a win in a, a difficult situation but uh got to take advantage of the fact that some of these games are at home and uh be able to string together some positive momentum here toward the end of the season also here with us, he's a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of Delphi Bracketology, and the man now affectionately referred to as the People's Podcast Host, and he knows how to celebrate a big win in your rival's gym. Shafino! Ladies and gentlemen, the coach. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember fake hustle is a crime. Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind this week? Not much. Um, 
And that's different. Trying hikes week. now. <laughs> it's yeah. you know, not much has has changed. Um, they don't call them the best in the yeah. business for nothing, folks. Let's move on. Yeah. So, you know, it's just um, you you, you kind of look. I think a lot of people are starting to see. Uh, you know, the negative side of the basketball program. But I think, you know, there's just two sides of the argument that you witness on social media and everything, and, and you kind of see what you want to see with the Indiana basketball program. There have been some successes in the past years. Uh, it is in a better place than, you know, when Archie was here. Those are all true. But again, the style of play and, and the results Saturday at, at Purdue was just really a head-scratching performance after the first 10 or 11 minutes. Uh, and even, even in those 10 – 10 or 11 minutes, I felt that Purdue missed some shots that they normally would have made. And that's what kept the game close. And then all of a sudden it just exploded out and just some fundamental things I think are honestly uh, up for question with the basketball program and the leadership in trying to be as fair as possible. It's just frustrating after two years that we're in year three and there we have fallen off the cliff to a, a 14 and 10. And you're talking about an Indiana program that's on the bubble of the NIT. That's just frustrating. I, th- I think that's a fair evaluation and I'm just spending some time away from the men's program this week it has been nice, but just trying to figure out how to respectfully look at the program, the players and all of that, and share that with all of our listeners is, is what I, we're trying to do here but it isn't in a good place right now. And the main question is when and if it will get back to uh, that, that good place. And that's the million-dollar question. Yes, yes, it is. All right, and finally, he is a senior writer for The Big Lead and one of the only San Diego natives crazy enough to spend multiple winters in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What was he thinking? Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Phillips. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Is the jingle obsolete since you did technically like introduce the live show in Bloomington? I'll do the next live show, then we can get rid of it because okay. people can just talk about this as like a mirage. John will yeah, have to update. Actually, it. happen? Yeah, yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like the elements of I feel like I feel like the elements of of hosting in that scenario versus yeah, a little bit. actually hosting that. are a little bit easier. I'll, I'll <laughs> even admit that a hundred percent. I will admit that, but technically I did. <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to apologize to everybody. I'm pretty damn sick. So uh, I, I may not be my usual. I'm sure you all refer to me as eloquent self uh, this week, but um, I, I think honestly, what I, what I've been thinking about all week is uh, what happened in the Super Bowl and how it relates to Indiana basketball how would you consider that well um what the kansas city chiefs are is a perfect example of a coach changing his system to fit the players he has every year but the big one is andy Reid had a very successful team with alex smith at quarterback years ago and he saw the talent that was patrick mahomes and he knew this is the guy we drafted. We've got to move to him. He changed his offense that was already successful to fit Patrick Mahomes' strengths. Now, Andy Reid's a genius, and they've altered it over the years, but immediately they saw success because it was a coach realizing, I'm not going to try and fit guys who don't fit my system into it. I'm going to change my system to fit the guys that I have and maximize their talents. I can't think of a better analogy for what needs to happen at Indiana, at Indiana with Mike Woodson systems. It's not that get these Patrick systems, Mahomes. 
Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, that's that's one. You draft. I once said about Patrick Mahomes, he should be the number one draft pick of anything you do, whether it's fantasy football, whatever your beer league softball team. Um, but I just think that, that you look at these systems, and there is a world in which probably the offensive system and the defensive system works. It's likely with NBA all NBA talent across the board. It's not working here. So what do you have to do? change your system to fit the players you have not the and not try and make the players you have the ones you wish you had so because that's just that's college sports you're not going to get perfect players you have to good teams like great teams have players with flaws and you cover up for them how you can with your the way you run your system so i just i saw that and that's all i could think about was that this is the example a great coach humbled himself and fit his system to his players. And that's exactly what Indiana has to do. If Mike Woodson is going to be successful in Indiana, it's not going to be finding the players to fit his system because I don't think he's going to find the players to fit his system unless he gets 12 NBA caliber players. What he has to do is fit the system to the guys he has. And if he does that, he could be successful in Indiana. If he doesn't, and we see the same system next year that we're seeing this year, all the same principles, all the same stuff, just doing it over and over and over again, he'll be gone. I mean, that that's the truth. And so it's just up to Mike Woodson to decide, am I the problem or are all the players the problem? Or can I at least admit that maybe it's a combination of the two and I need to do my part as well? So that's where I am at with Indiana basketball right now. I'm disappointed in the season. I think everybody is. Um you know, there are people who I've seen saying like, well, this is exactly where they were always going to be. It's like, no, no. We expected them to be a, to be a tournament team. A hundred percent. Everybody did. And so this is a disappointment. And if a disappointment in a bad season doesn't wake you up and make you change things, nothing will. I'm sorry. I couldn't understand that. I know, Mike. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, all right, so here's what we have on tap this week. A couple of Hoosier headlines, and then for segments two and three, we are diving into the mailbag. It is a mega late-season mailbag. You know, we haven't done an AC radio in a while, so we wanted to make sure that we address the questions that you have, and so we're going to get through as many of those as we can and as many as Ryan's uh, sinuses allow us to get through uh, this evening. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio, but first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And you know there's this phrase, home field doesn't miss. And it is a phrase that is said over and over because it is true. And if you saw their latest Indiana refresh, you will know. You know, as someone who's favorite era of IU basketball, really just based on my age and when I was growing up in Bloomington was the early 90s. I was so excited to finally see a shirt commemorating uh, one of those teams with the 1993 Big Ten champ shirt. Uh, and obviously those of us who were around then and cheered for that team know that just having a Big Ten champ shirt really undersells what that team was capable of. But it was a 17-1 run. They only lost to Ohio State, a team full of all-time greats. And I'm so excited to get that. I got my Your Order is Coming uh, email, and so I'm excited to get that. And then so many other items, the Hyper Crew Neck, uh, they just continue to 
just pull you know old ideas and old teams and old logos uh, out of the past and breathe new life into them. That's what Homefield does for Indiana. That's what they do for every school that is in their mix. And it's why you should go there and shop not just for yourself, but any sports fan in your life because the stuff is comfortable, it's high quality, it lasts through many washings, and you can get discounts. Go to homefieldapparel.com. You can use our promo code HOME23, and you will get 15% off your entire first order. That is promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, uh, a couple headlines here real quick. The biggest headline in the Big Ten is Ohio State firing Chris Holtman. Uh, mid-season, which is really interesting. Uh, you know, obviously with the struggles they had last year, the struggles they've had this year, it became pretty commonly accepted that in Ohio State would move on from him. But, you know, Ryan, it seemed like things really moved fast there. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure. It doesn't sound like there was, you know, anything behind the scenes, any scandals. It just sounds like in kind of this new era of the portal uh, and what a lot of people think is going to is shaping up to be a really wild coaching carousel. Yeah. Kind of seems like Ohio State just wanted to be first, you know, once That's... they knew they were going to do it. And maybe that helps Holtman too get a new job. But I'm just curious, what kind of ripple effects do you see from this? And could any of those ripple effects potentially uh, affect Indiana? Hey, DePaul was actually first, so they were yeah, really out Jared, of it. Sorry, DePaul. Seriously. Storied, storied Big East basketball How dare DePaul you overlook first. Chicago's favorite basketball team? Um, <laughs> no, I, I I do think, Jared, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's This has started happening in college football, too, is you get to be first at the trough interviewing and contacting coaches. And I think that while that does happen behind the scenes even when guys still have jobs it's kind of looked it's kind of frowned upon even for the guys who are being contacted they kind of think well this guy already has this job what if they decide to take him i'm not going to go down to keep him i'm not going to go down that road um i had experience with it usc did it uh with clay helton a few years ago um and wound up getting lincoln riley but they you know talked to like seven different coaches because they had this long stretch of time to reach out to a number of people and i think that's what it is i don't i don't think it was any i think everybody saw the writing on the wall chris holt was probably gonna get fired at the end of the year no matter what he's probably gone if we know that now why not just do it now and as you said uh and and mark titus had a really good commentary on this i would uh recommend anybody go uh, to the Mark Titus shows, uh, a friend of the program, go to his Twitter page, his show's Twitter page, and and watch his commentary on it. It was really interesting, and he had some great insight. And Chris Holman seems like really nice guy, you know, good dude. Uh, wasn't doing anything bad behind the scenes. Was really good with his players. Treated them really well. Um, he allowed some of them to, you know, kind of transfer for family reasons and things like that without sort of putting pressure on him. I know that story. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's simply just, this isn't going anywhere. It's been bad for a while. And yeah, in the portal, you can turn things around in one year. But if the, if the system and the program isn't healthy, go find someone who's going to make it healthy. And, and Ohio State should get a good coach and, and they'll be able to go secure a good coach. Um, I think that it's, it's tough to do with a guy who's had success. But I do think the leash is a lot shorter in college sports these days because of the transfer portal, because of how quickly you can turn things around. And because especially going into that new big, you know, the new big 10, you're going to have to be successful in your sports very quickly to to continue to stay in the mix. And I, I think that's really what happened here is he just had a struggle and they're going to be first. 
the first major job looking for, other than DePaul, of course, uh, looking for yes. a, a replacement. You know, one of the points that Scott makes a lot on Crimson Cast that I think is a good one is, you know, if you're going to underperform and you're going to have a couple of bad seasons, you need somewhere to have had some some better seasons, like kind of outperformed expectations yeah. to balance it out. And I think that's part of what did Holtman in, which is, you know, they started out well, had some decent seeds, Andy, in the tournament, you know, and they lost to, was it Old Dominion or Oral Roberts, you know, one of those in the, you know, early, never made it past the second round. And so when you have these two seasons like this, but you don't have an Elite Eight or a Final Four to kind of anchor it, it's a little bit easier to say, well, the highs aren't high enough. And if this is what the lows are, then what are we doing here? You know? And so I think that's also part of it. And, you know, you look at, I think that affected Tom Crean. You know, if he had had a deeper run in the NCAA tournament, then maybe he does get another year, a little bit more benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, that Kate Bates Diop is not walking through that door. No, no. So, you know, and Andy, I think the other thing that you could see from this, you know, and we're starting to see uh, some whispers for anybody who um, hasn't signed up for Truly Donovan's Discord. Uh, there's a lot of IU fans in there, um, but it's really good. I tweeted about it earlier. Uh, and there's a lot of chatter in there kind of about the coaching carousel. And I think one of the things this is doing, this move right now, is even some, you take a program like Indiana that I think we all kind of assume that Woody will be back, you know, and I think he you know, made two NCAA yeah. tournaments after a six-year drought. There's a perfectly reasonable case to bring him back. But even schools with coaches that might not be on the hot seat but are kind of on the lukewarm seat, I think their ADs are probably making some calls just to check around, you know, because if he this coaching carousel is going to be moving this fast, there may have been guys that they thought they could get two or three years from now that, you know, may now end up in a new yep. situation. And so it and could... Now some dominoes really could start to fall. And I'm not saying Indiana is going to be one of them, I was using it more as an example, but I do think it just is going to create a little bit more uncertainty and a few more waves uh, earlier than, than maybe we were expecting. It's worth noting too, a lot of these athletic departments because of the realignment in the bigger conferences are going to be flush with cash too, to buy guys out and go get new guys. And so I think that, you know, and it's, if you don't use that cash now, somebody else will like another department will use it. They'll use it for facilities, whatever. If you don't take advantage of that now, it's not going to be yours to use. So I do, I do agree. I think we're going to see some guys who we thought were pretty s safe gone and I think we're going to see some shocking hires uh, that we didn't think would happen. Yeah, I think I think with him, you, you look and a couple couple guys in the last couple of years, I think that they probably anticipated being multi-year players, had good seasons and left. So I think Malachi Branham a couple of years ago, uh, even Bryce Sensabaugh last year. I don't know that it was probably wasn't outside the realm of possibility entirely that those guys would be one and done. But I don't think that was the anticipation and. And you looked at last year, they had a pretty good recruiting class, really underperformed for most of the season, but got it together at the end, had that run of the Big Ten tournament. And I think that gave a lot of reason for optimism heading into this season and even beating Alabama early on. Uh, kind of felt like, okay, they just continued the trajectory they had. And then I think it's also pretty telling at some point that the bottom just dropped out uh, and that there's some kind of disconnect this year, whether that's the pieces fitting together and some different things. It's, it's tough to say. Um, but somewhat interesting to, you know, kind of look at their trajectory toward the end. And then all of a sudden, uh, like I said, I just think that's pretty telling that there's something amiss if, if things can fall apart that quickly as they really seem to have done this year. And, and so I think you, 
you know, you don't have to look back too far though. That year they lost to Oral Roberts. I mean, they were a two seed. They'd gotten to the Big Ten tournament championship, had been a really good team that season. Were a two seed, lose there. They lose in the second round the following year, and then these last two years. And um, you know, I mean, things changed really quickly from you know where they were at the end of twenty the twenty twenty one regular season. Yeah, I, it was. It- Everything that's been said is correct, and I think money has a lot to do with it as well as trying to get a jump on everything uh, because you can go, as Ryan said, you can go and interview people, put out feelers and all that. As a coach, I hate them. I hate the firings with six or seven games left. I just think it's it, it, it's cheap uh, from our profession when you when you put a lot into it. It's not so bad when you got $12 million to buyout coming, I guess, if you want to send me home early and make $12 million. Is that what his uh, is? Didn't do that. Yeah, I think it's twelve point seven million or something. I saw something. Someone in that said ballpark. they might have. Ne- someone said they might have negotiated. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio, and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Down and they could have. Yeah. I would imagine. He can, he can seek a job, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, maybe Holtman wanted to, too. Uh, there's a chance, too, where you know it's tough. The kids are feeling pressure. They they know you're in, in jeopardy, and it might be. He said, hey, if the conversation was you're going to be let go at the end of the year, he said, why don't we just do it now and let these kids play fresh for five or six games? That would have been really good for, for Holtman. But just in the coaching profession, it, it just stings. But I think it's more of a NIL money and really – you have to show, I think, if you're an athletic director or a program, you have to show you're doing something or you start losing donors and you start losing just casual donors, even $50 donors too. If the program, if you don't do something, you run the risk. And even a month early or so might be enough to to give hope to those people uh, with all the, all this money that is being now you know, asked of everyone to pay for players and things of that nature. So there's a whole lot of that that goes on. I just think it, I just think it's, it's awful. Um, you know, we ought to fire some ADs in the middle of the year that absolutely suck. You know, you don't see that. Uh, they, they they sit in their office and, and, and hobnob with all the money people, and then they fire people early. It's just, you know, uh, Don Meyer said, you don't get in arguments with administrators because it's like wrestling a pig in mud. You know, they both love, you know, getting in that crap, and, and you all you end up doing is getting dirty. So, Coach, you know, that's are what there I some stories about you dealing with administrators that we need to flesh out? Uh, I'm working for a really good administrator now. I hope All he's right. listening. I do like him, but uh, yeah, ADs we'll and talk, that. We'll talk off air and see if that's the feeling. No, I'll kidding. talk on air about how bad some of those administrators are. <laughs> Take that to the school board. <laughs> They're bad too. 
Uh, you know, the last thing I'll say, a friend of the show, Mike DeCourcy, had a really good article um, kind of looking at some good. data of how many coaches, you know, who aren't like surefire Hall of Fame coaches have had one and dones who haven't made a big impact, like haven't made a deep tournament run, haven't won a conference title, and how many of them have been out of a job four or five years later. And I think it is hard for Ohio State. No one thought Malachi Branham or Bryce Sensabaugh were going to be one and dones. You know, it's similar to Jalen Huchifino. Now, people had a pretty good idea in October that he might be, but it does shake you up, you know, and it's not a coincidence now. It's not to say that Indiana couldn't have shored up the hole at point guard, but it certainly would have been easier if Jalen Huchifino had been on a two-year plan and was still here. And so that can set a coach back, um, you know, and that's that's why you should listen to X's and Joe's, uh, which a new episode should be out uh, tomorrow. But they talk about a lot of these bigger picture program building ideas and why some of the most successful programs find guys in that sweet spot that stay two, three, four years because it helps you to smooth out some of this stuff. And sometimes you think you're recruiting a guy in that sweet spot and he blows up and leaves early. And it's, you know, it's usually a part good of the thing job. for you, though. Yeah, I mean, if a guy if a guy jumps early, it's like OG. Like the fact that he became what he became was actually good for Indiana while he was here. It can be. It can. Yeah, it really can be. It can be. You've got to build smart rosters around it. So, anyway, uh, good luck to Chris Holtman. Always seemed like a great guy. I was never particularly high on him as IU's coach, Um, Mm -hmm. but I think he's an awesome guy, and will probably you know take a step down to a lower level and do a really good job. I will say uh, there's a fun story about uh, his current contract related to Indiana, and it's a couple years ago. When the job was open, uh, all of a sudden there were these breath- breathless reports that Indiana was going after Chris Holtman, uh, and uh, he was releasing saying, "Oh, I'm I'm super happy." No, Indiana's agent, from what I understand, contacted somebody and said, "Hey, are you interested in Chris Holtman?" They were like, yeah, "We'll talk to him. Why not?" And uh, then immediately leaked it to the press that uh, Indiana was interested. And uh, Chris Holtman got a contract extension and a raise out of it. So good for him. Uh, that buyout, I'm sure, has something to do with that. Good for him. And that is how the game is played. <laughs> yep. No, no. Hat tip to the agent. <laughs> but it was, you know, for like, I would say for like a solid two hours, everybody was like, Indiana's going after Holtman, and they're going to get rejected. And it was like, no, Indiana wasn't going after Holtman. They already had two guys they were interested in. All right. So the last headline that we're going to talk about is the NIT. Uh, Because if Indiana is going to make a postseason tournament, it's going to be the NIT. If you're one of those that just thinks the season is over, if we're talking NIT or that it's ridiculous, well, then just tune out for the next five, ten minutes. But we do have to talk about this because, hey, look, if Indiana can make a postseason tournament, they absolutely should. I keep getting questions. Should Indiana turn down an NIT bid if they get one? No, you don't even consider it. Like, that's a ridiculous question. This program needs as many postseason reps as it can get. And I am fully on board with all of those who think the NIT should be beneath this program and all of that. And it's not what we aspire to. Like, we get it. You don't need to say it. We all understand that. But if you're going to be here and be a fan, let's meet the team where they are and, you know, at least talk about what are realistic possibilities. Uh, If you want to follow NIT Bracketology, uh, Coach Andy, are you guys thinking about expanding into that this year? Or do we just need to recommend John Templin uh, and his NIT Bracketology at NY Buckets on Twitter? Uh, You do not need to look to me for that. So I won't speak for Coach. Nope. That's what I figured. Nope. So... John does a really good job, and if you have questions about it, he's always there to answer. Uh, His latest NIT bracket has Indiana in, 
as an at-large team facing number one seed Providence. So that means Indiana is basically on the cut line right now for the NIT. Uh, and you know, one of the reasons they've made some changes to how teams are selected and basically they want big conference teams in. So like the universe is working to help Indiana get to the NIT, uh, conference regular season champs who lose in their conference tournament for a while, they were getting an automatic bid that was taken away. Now, two teams from each Power Six conference get in based on the net rankings. So the top two non-tournament teams get an automatic bid based on their net rankings. After those 12 automatic qualifiers, then there's 20 at-large teams that are chosen with a bias toward big conference schools. That's just how it is with the NIT now. Indiana's net is currently 100th. That is 13th in the conference. Michigan is the only one lower at 114th. If you look at who's above Indiana, Penn State is 98th, Rutgers is 89th, although they'll probably go up after their win tonight against Northwestern, Minnesota 88th, also playing well right now, Uh, Ohio State is 71st, Iowa is 70th. Indiana does play a few of those teams, so there's a chance to move up there, but that's what you're going to want to look for because they're basically going to go down that net and pick the best teams from the Big Ten, and hopefully Indiana is able to work themselves uh, into that. So we'll provide updates on it because – you know, hopefully the, the, the guys can play well enough down the stretch to make that. I think it would be good, uh, you know, good for whoever decides to play in it. It's just good additional postseason basketball uh, for them to get. Does anybody have any uh, comments here on NIT talk on the assembly call? A segment that we really hope every season that we don't have to get to. And unfortunately, I hope we, we never go. have to do assembly call our segment assembly call. And IT talk. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, we, need, we need like some really like dark foreboding music from John when we're. I guess we can just do sad violin whenever we're talking. Here's here's my violin. concern. Here, here's my concern. You've seen what's happened with bowl season when there's nothing on the line and people are getting ready to go to the draft or to G League and how many kids think they're going. What happens when you decide to go, which I am all for. If you get a bid, you got to go build for next season springboard. You're seeing a lot of comments. I agree with all of that. You don't turn down. But what happens if a lot of these kids start saying, nah, I'm not going to risk injury in an NIT tournament, and I'm going to opt out? We saw that with Romeo, and I know he was injured. He was. And then Indiana goes and loses. So, you know, I, I, I am with you guys on not turning down an NIT, but – the transfer portal hits right after selection Sunday. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden you're in the NIT, you lose a couple of kids who weren't happy with playing time. Are they going to want to go, you know, if you have that, are they going to want to go play in the NIT for a team? If they're already thinking about leaving, you got some guys who are draftable or think they're draftable. What if they want to get ready for the NBA draft? And now what is your team playing in the NIT? Um, that is a concern of mine, not just for Indiana, but for other schools, if you're not in the NCAA tournament, how are these, uh, these kids who are wanting to transfer and maybe get ready for the next level, how are they going to perceive playing in the NIT? And then with the, I don't know, are they still doing this in Las Vegas two or three weeks? Or is that the proposal that came out for Fox uh, a while back where it'd be two or three weeks match up with the final four or whatever? type deal. Um, I, I just worry about that because college football and the bowls, I love, I love, I'm going to love the 12 team playoff more, but bowls were a reward uh, for all your hard work. And you're seeing these bowl teams just be decimated by kids who are either transferring or opting out. When does that hit college basketball? And, and 
and especially with the NIT and the CBI for teams that aren't building, that don't have core players that really buy into a coach and we're, you know, 17 and 14 and get an invite. Uh, we are looking at a lot of roster turnover next year, in my opinion, again. And, and that just that's just a concern that has popped up with, yeah. with what's happening in college it's, athletics. I was going to bring that up, too, because I think Michigan had that happen last year. They took the NIT bid. They might have even won a game or two, but I'm pretty sure Kobe Bufkin didn't play. Um Dickinson may have still played because I don't know that he had made the decision to transfer yet, but I think they did have some of that. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm more of the opinion that you you take it and give yourself a chance to even give some guys a little bit more playing time and see what you can build toward for the next season. But I do think that's an inherent risk in it now more than maybe was the case before. Well, look, and 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 maybe that enters into your calculus of whether you accept a bid if you think that four guys are going to opt out of playing because they're transferring and going to the NBA. The other thing that I would say, Coach, is if you are a player, even a player with an NBA future, but you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars from NIL, you should stick around and play in the NIT. You know, I mean, oh, I, I agree. It's a risk, and 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 I I think you're I think you're correct that that is that could potentially be an issue. Um, you know, and I think every team will probably have to look at that because if Indiana's going to have, you know, three or four guys who don't play and you're only going to have seven or eight players to fill the roster, I would say still go let some walk-ons play and let's just see what the heck happens. Um, but I do think it is something that could affect, you know, teams and the quality of play, uh, in the NIT, but I would hope that most guys, if they're healthy, would want to finish that out. And if you're, you know, an older veteran or even a younger guy who's going to go to the NBA, be there to help those guys have that experience. You're getting paid. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other teams. Like, I know Carolina last year, they opted not to play, but I think that was because everybody wanted to murder each other on their roster and yes. <laughs> would have wanted nothing to do with actually playing another game with one another based on how they had played. I don't think this team is in uh, is in that, that boat at all. But I think I think there's a type of team who typically turns down a bid like that. I I don't think I use in that category right now, but yeah, you'd have to have a pretty good sense of what guys are going to do and who you'd have before you did it definitively. But I think it would have to be pretty dire to me to turn it down, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, all right. Coming up here on assembly call radio, as we said, it is mailbag time. So we're going to spend the rest of today answering a bunch of questions about the final seven games, about Woody's future, about recruiting, and a whole lot more. We'll answer as many as we can get through. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Coming right back. All right. Uh, good to see everybody here. Almost 200 people live. Uh, in a, in a week without a game with the team, not going anywhere. We appreciate all of you. That is, uh, that is nice to see. I was wondering how many people would show up today. Uh, but it's nice to see so many of you guys here, Ryan, how you holding up, man? That was a long segment. <laughs> that was a little I just, we got into the NIT talk and I was like, all right, uh, well, check out I for a little bit, just mentally. I, know. And... I don't want to talk about it either, but. Uh, Galen got the fun topics. He's talking about EA sports, college football, and we're talking about NIT bracketology. And people said that I was, you said I was being negative about that. No, I'm really excited about it, but I really hope it doesn't suck because a lot of EA's games have apparently been terrible lately. So I know this is good. I know I'm definitely Um, buying it. I mean, I know 
Uh, do you know? Check out Crimson Cast. They just, uh, like I said, Galen just posted a new episode talking about the EA Sports game. But they've had several uh, podcasts recently that were really good. I saw Tony Adrania, who does our IU Film Room post. He was a guest on Podcast on the Brink. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, but it's Alex and Tony talking hoops, so I'm sure it's really good. Are doing the work crew broke down uh, Indiana's win over Wisconsin. Turns out Indiana teams can win at the Kohl Center. Who knew? Uh, they won, and they've got... It's some, not against the law after all. Good to know. They've got some huge the games The men's team's up. won there before. It's just been a little bit of time. Long time. Yes. Um, when's the Iowa game? When's the IU-Iowa game? Do you guys I think know? It's a week, I think it's a week from today. That's right. Week yeah, from today. Yeah, they will. Yeah, so we will not be doing Assembly Call Radio next week. Uh, obviously... We will all be watching and enjoying the IU Iowa game, um, and then you're gonna, you Clark, all are going to watch the post game show. Yes, Caitlin Clark set the record tonight. Good for her; she's incredible. Let's kick her butt uh, next week. And, you caught uh, yourself. Yeah, no. And uh, X's and Joes. I as soon as I get done here, I got to get. They just recorded last night. I got to get that up. Um, but if you haven't listened to their their episodes. Listen, I mean, it is like a PhD level class in what the what the best teams do to build rosters and just a lot of, you know, their whole thing is kind of breaking down myths around college basketball and helping to understand it at a deeper level. Um, so definitely make sure that you check that show out if you haven't yet. All right, guys, you ready to jump I will in? Say, yeah, oh, yeah I, the only, only thing I would add, you talked about Crimson Cast, uh, Galen interviewed Chris Ditto, former yes uh, quarterback it was really really enjoyable i mean yeah. that was kind of in my it was good uh, he was talking about that when we were in bloomington he's he one. spanned a little bit of the time that i was there his kind of career ended my first couple <laughs> years of uh of school and that was in like the i mean it's hard to call anything the heyday of iu football but it was an interesting That's just it. interesting hearing his thoughts on the end of the mallory era and and some of the things about that were uh it was it was really really good galen did a great job with it yeah, which included a Bob Morris mention because my dad it did. Yeah, him. early dad on was uh, yeah, early on he was mentioned there. So. Man, I I remember just the angst in our house when it was getting close to decision time because we really thought we were going to lose him to Michigan, and my dad had put in so much time on that recruitment. And one topic they didn't talk about is Chris's teammate. It uh, would he, did he go to Dwanger Fort Wayne? Dwanger, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. His teammate Ewell Wilson was a great wide receiver, and was signed to come to Indiana and passed away in his sleep before he ever made it to campus. I don't, I don't even remember what the cause of death was, um, but it was just such a tragic story. Um, you know, and, and I mean, just such a, you know, what might've been, I mean, you know, for his life, but also just as a football player, um, they didn't get into that, but that is uh, something that some older IU football fans may remember. I mean, just, you know, talking about that 93 team, which was such a great Indiana football team with such a good defense. It was after that year that Jim Coletto came and offered my dad the defensive coordinator position, and so we moved to Purdue. You know, just thinking about traitors, traitors. Well, you know, coach, you know, you get a you get a promotion, you get a chance to have more responsibility, even if it's you know your disgusting rival to the north. Uh, you take it. Um, but man, you, know, you think back about those early '90s and just you know the '92 basketball season, '93 basketball season, '93 football season. You really don't know sometimes that you're going through the best times as you're going through them because man, right after that, it really felt like so much changed both for football and basketball. So yeah, to your point, Andy, it was a great conversation. I didn't realize all the friction between Chris and John Pacey uh, because that happened after we left. Um, yeah. So I never really got to see any of that. But some great times, some great games. I mean, Chris Ditto had some really big games and big spots for Indiana. Um, 
So anyway, if you're an Indiana football nerd, that's a great, great podcast to go listen to. We All right. prefer the term enthusiast. That's uh, what you'd say. Nerdiest, you know. masochist, like whatever. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever works. Whatever words you want to use. That's right. Hey, we are eradicating softness from Indiana football talk. Kurt Signetti is here. There's no more masochism. It is happiness and winning. Damn it. That's what we're doing now. Google it. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with a full house. Ryan Phillips, Andy Bottoms, the coach Brian Tonsoni here to answer mailbag questions. And, you know, in honor of Jordan Halls, who would shoot a three-pointer or two, uh, Coach Tonsoni, do you want to give us an update on the score at halftime in Mackey Arena uh, currently as we're recording? It is 43-35 Minnesota. Interesting. They were hitting um, a lot of threes. Oh, very interesting. So when you're going yeah. up against a team that's much better, you try a high variant strategy, and sometimes it works. And your how many threes did yeah. they take in the first half? They're nine of sixteen, Jared. Oh, they are nine oh. of sixteen. Interesting. What oh. an interesting strategy from Ben. Jo- and is Minnesota known as a great three point shooting team? Uh, that will refer to Andy, who knows more stats than I do. But I would go on record saying maybe not the the oh. greatest, but they are okay. shooting them well tonight. Just, just very interested that that's that's the strategy they chose. Very smart. Coming okay. into the game, they're thirty four point seven percent on the okay. on the season from from three. I told you, hundred and thirty. Well, I mean, I just have Ken Palm pulled up. It's not like I'm, you know, but I, I do too, Andy. But I'm so old, I'm afraid that if I hit a tab, I might like X out of the show or something. So I just <laughs> you're better, you're younger and smarter and more agile uh, with the computer. I think Purdue was just kind of thrown off because there was that story about the you know fairly Dickinson players getting stuck in a hotel or stuck in an elevator tonight. So something I think <laughs> was just kind of just, just kind of off. Um, anyway, we'll see if Minnesota can hold on. But very very interesting strategy they brought to West Lafayette. All right, uh, from Ricky Rowe. Assuming we win four to five games that we have left. What kind of seed do you expect us to get in the NIT, assuming we don't win the Big Ten tourney? I know it's not the expectation that we have, but we've been blown out way too many times to even sniff the NCAs. I can take this real quick. I mean, I think if we win four or five games, I don't think we're going to get to the point where we're hosting. Um, But really, it's going to depend on how you win those games. Because if we blow teams out, then the net could move up, and it's possible that we could be one of the top two uh, non-tournament teams in the net. Uh, if you kind of squeak by and the wins are all over the worst teams uh, left, then you know maybe you just kind of get one of those at-large bids. Um, but certainly, if we win four or five games, we're going to make the NIT. We would probably just need to, to do some work from an efficiency margin standpoint or get a lot of help to get up to actually hosting uh, one. But we'll track that as we get closer. All right, from James, have you seen any evidence over the last three years that Woodson will update his scheme next year? It seems like the in-season and in-game adjustments have come even slower this year than in years past. We are going to skip Ryan for this answer because we know what his answer will be, uh, but we'll go to Coach. Uh, I, I can say one quick thing. It, we have no evidence. Of Interrupted that. Coach before he even got a chance to start. <laughs> That's all I'll say is we have no evidence for that. Go ahead, Coach. This is one of those where it's like because Ryan's feeling ill, his other sentences are heightened, so he just like moves on yes. right in front of the. Okay, good. Yeah, he needs he needs to change. The question, obviously, is he going to change? We haven't seen evidence. Ryan's a hundred percent correct, and it's just it just seems like 
and, and this is not a bad thing. When you are a coach and you have a philosophy, you're going to coach to that philosophy. And, and to some extent, that, that's good, unless the philosophy is not working. And then you have to admit it and then make the changes. And I think I just I don't get to feel like that's in Woody's you know, wheelhouse to, to sit there and say that his philosophy is, is not working and he's going to make a change because I think it needs to be a big change. So, and then someone, I think it'll be a later question here too about Derek Queen. Depending on who you recruit, you get another big and Malik stays. Now, now what are you going to do? You're going to keep playing the big, the two bigs, and you're going to stay stay with that philosophy. Um, and Annette, there's just some really good questions coming up. And and how do you get perimeters in uh, when you've had three years? So the he, I don't see that he will change. I think he's going to believe that uh, he'll get the talent in that is needed to win in this system. And if he does that, he might win. Uh, the system isn't like absolute horrible basketball. Uh, it, it's just uh, difficult to win in the college game unless you have absolute NBA talent at the point guard and in and the post uh, and, and veteran players to guard. And he doesn't have that. And, and I don't know how you get that in the portal in, in one year. So changes need to be made. I don't think they will be made. I think we'll see more of the same, and we just got to hope that the talent and the experience somehow meshes together so we can have a winning season. Yeah, Andy, only, only thing, yeah only thing that I would add is I, I think, to be fair in some regard, I think this is the first season that anybody would have expected any kind of wholesale philosophical offensive changes without Trace. At least that was what I, that's what I thought, and I think that's probably what a lot of, the way a lot of people viewed it. And this seemed like the first year to say, okay – the excuse that you're building around what you were left with or whatever you want to say was kind of out the window. And then we've seen that this year. So, you know, you haven't really seen a lot of change this year. So to me, unless you, I think if you'd seen something dramatically different this year, I think it'd be, well, it probably wouldn't be getting the question quite honestly, but, um, but, it, but given what we've seen this year, I'd, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to take the leap and say there would be any kind of substantial change made. Yeah, you know, and there's two different things. I think we all acknowledge that Woody will make subtle adjustments in the season. You know, he changes how he uses the bench. He'll make a few different, you know, offensive changes in a game or go to some different stuff like he did the pick and roll at the end of his first year. You know, there's been some defensive changes this year. I think what we're talking about is, especially in the shorter college basketball season, those changes need to come earlier and be built into what you're doing, and you need to hit the ground running in November. You can't take 10 to 15 games to figure stuff out because half the season is over already. So this stuff needs to be figured out and fit to the talent a little bit better earlier on than it has been. And so I hope so. You know, Woody's got tons of knowledge and different tricks in his bag, Coach, as you've talked about all the time. We just don't seem to see it often enough in a way that fits the players that we have. So anyway, we're all hopeful, but to the, qu the actual question, is there evidence there's evidence for small changes throughout a season that come a little bit too late. Evidence for more, I can't say that we've seen that yet. Yeah, yeah, I think that people will say to me, and in person too, they'll, they'll say, oh, you you want him to get fired. It's like, well, he's going to be around next year. I want him to succeed because I don't like doing seasons like this. I have to show We have to show up on this show after games. It's way more fun when they win to do this. It's hard to do this job when they're not playing well. It really sucks. And I'm sure it's even hard to, harder to listen to. But so we're rooting for this miraculous turnaround. I would love for Mike Woodson to be the guy to, to lead Indiana to a title. 
I would absolutely love it. I don't want to go through another coaching search. I don't want to do emergency podcasts while they're fun, Jared. I don't want to do 12 of those um, in an off season. So, I, but I, I do think that, yeah, it, at some point you have to recognize what you're doing is not working and it's not just the player's fault. You know, maybe you don't have the players to run that system and they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Okay. Do something that they can do, you know, send them out there and put them in a position to do something they can do. Um, so I, that's what I would hope the, is the lesson of this season isn't, well, I got to get different players, which in some cases is certainly true, but also I've got to run something that fits what those players can do. It's, it's, it's so obvious to everybody watching this team. They can't do what he wants them to do. Why do you keep asking them to do it? Good question. Uh, okay, next question. Andy, I will toss this one to you from James. Do I need counseling if I think that we're screwed if we don't have X, but we're also screwed if we do have X? Uh, and I will just preface your answer by saying we really don't have an update on whether Xavier is going to be back or not. I'm kind of starting to operate under the assumption that he probably won't be, you know, because it seems like that injury, while the initial x-ray was negative, I think there was some other structural damage. So, look, maybe not. I'd love to see him get back and, you know, end his Indiana career on a better note, actually, on the court. Um, but certainly his performances, even when he's been on the court this year, have been wildly inconsistent, even more so than normal. So, and I think that's kind of what James is getting at with this question. Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately underscores the Xavier Johnson experience, quite honestly, right? Like you you see enough good things to believe that more of him on the court is what you really need, and you see enough bad things to question why you'd play him as much as you do. And and so I think what that circles back to ultimately is the ultimate dice roll of this season was what what the coaching staff chose to do was Avery Johnson and understanding all of the things that made it difficult would have made it difficult to get another combo guard in the portal, knowing that you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. You've got X and Trey. Uh, totally understand all of that. But ultimately, that was the, the gamble that didn't pay off uh, this year. And you're left with, uh, you know, a, a, a bunch of other options which are either miscast in their roles or not ready for the role that they're consequently asked to play. And so that then makes you kind of go full circle and say, well, if only I had a guy that was experienced and stuff like that, you know, this is what you need. So I, I think it's uh, probably a fitting question. I don't think uh, James needs counseling uh, because I do think it's, it's kind of that paradigm with, with Xavier that you've got to try to figure out and uh, ultimately was 
kind of what the the season really rested upon was wh- which way you uh, eventually went in that kind of argument. And look, it's not a coincidence that some of Indiana's best moments this season coincided with you know some of the few games X played really well. And then he had other games where, I mean, the bottom just dropped out of it. And then obviously the other games that he was injured. So uh, this team definitely would have been better and would have a better record and we'd be better in the metrics if X hadn't been injured and had played more, even with the ups and downs. But that's just, I mean, the razor's edge that this roster was on um, from the beginning. So we'll have more time to talk about that in the offseason. But I agree, Andy. James does not need counseling. That's just (laughs) the Xavier Johnson experience. And it was way more pronounced this year than even the the two previous seasons. So, but I'd love to see him get healthy and see him get back on the court at least one or two more times before his college career is over. Um, let's see, coach. I'm going to come to you with this one from Bob Thompson. It's a two parter. If you're it's Scott a guards Dolson, game, <laughs> Bob, it's a guards game. <laughs> when, when Bob and his wife came to Fat Dan's for the for the team dinner in Bloomington, that was the first thing Coach said to him. Or it was either the first thing he said to you or the first thing you said to him. Uh, it's the first thing <laughs> I said to him. <laughs> it's a guards game. Guards um, game. Okay, so if you're Scott Dolson, what could Woodson possibly communicate to you to give you confidence heading into next season? So this is not necessarily evidence, but what could he communicate to you if he doesn't give you a satisfactory answer is it unrealistic to at least look at other options this offseason? This is a meaty question um, here. Yeah, I, I think what you got to do is ask his plan for the future and, and what the team is going to look like both on the floor and off the floor. If we think the team has been disconnected in the locker room, and that could be just the collection of players as well, uh, which it seems like to me that it just hasn't been fluid, that is something the coach has to try uh, to to work through with roster construction and other things. Now, sometimes that is totally out of a head coach's control, the stuff in the locker room. But I think you have to have an honest sit-down say, where are we? What are you going to do about it? How soon can we get back? Because this is not acceptable. And you have to have that tough, you know, crucial conversation with them. As far as making a move, I, I really don't think Dolson, uh, and if I were in Dolson, I don't think we could. I I, I mean, I think you could. And maybe you should uh, if you think that it is not going to go in the right direction and you don't get a satisfactory answer about changes. Uh, I think you could, but I think there's just a lot of things working uh, and a lot of people who still are supportive of Coach Woodson in very influential places that I, I don't think, even if you didn't get the answer, I think I would say then, you know what, I don't know that this is going to work, but it better because after this year, it's going to get a lot more difficult to back you up if we have another year like this and your plan is the similar attack, similar roster, similar issues. So I, I think you have to have to see where he he is as far as willing to learn and willing to change. Uh, it just can't all be on the players not making shots, and it can't all be over the hump and go back to work. Uh, there has to be a legitimate plan for different basketball. Uh, coming from your head coach. And if if the ego or whatever it is that doesn't allow that, then you have to have that crucial conversation. But I don't think it gets to a coaching change this offseason. Yeah, I, I would be hard-pressed to think that he gets fired this year. Uh, unless, unless Mike Woodson decides to retire, he'll be back next year. And I don't think that even if he wanted to retire, he would give up that money. So he's going to be back next year. Um uh, Aside from ripping off a mask and revealing he's Jay Wright, I don't know what he could say to Scott Dolson 
to to convince him that you know oh, like boy, that'd be a story. <laughs> everything's all going to change. It's been me all that'd along. Be an emergency guys. podcast. How, um, how is he doing? Because it would have happened already. How is he Ryan? doing that? It, the changes would have been CBS. Then that just doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> look, but the changes would have been made already man, in year Jim, three. Yeah. No. I. I look. I think he's got to tell Scott Dolson, we're going to shake up the staff. We're going to bring in somebody who knows how to run an offense in college basketball. We're going to bring in experience and like one. I don't, and I'm not saying any assistants should lose their job and I'm not saying this is their fault, but we're going to bring in people who are experienced college basketball coaches to help run an off to, to develop an offense that works for the players we have. We're going to alter our defense to be a little less restrictive and the overhelping and things like that. We're going to change this. We're going to change this. We're going to change this and reveal it. Like, similar to a segment in Archie's third season. I think you said the exact same thing. And and what happened? He didn't I listen know. to me. And uh, where's Archie now? Rhode Island. Um, so which I hear is lovely, by the way. Um, no, uh, I I just he has to at some point, you know, recognize this isn't working. You have to realize they did have a success in the first two years at times. There are also some really bad stretches of basketball. We we look at those years because they made the tournament and we have it with a you know rose colored glasses. They got blown out of the tournament in both. I mean, blown off the floor in both the tournament games. They didn't get out of the first weekend despite having a lottery pick uh, last year. They, despite having a lottery pick, an all time great at your school and a bunch of seniors around them, and you didn't get out of the first weekend and got embarrassed in the second round to a good team, but still you were the higher seed. And there were a lot of stretches of really bad basketball. And you feel like two guys in Huchifino and trace Jackson Davis saved you a lot with individual performances. And you look now and you look back at that and it's easy to see. Okay. So we just need an all time, great, all American, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of seniors who all know their roles and are all experienced Big Ten basketball players and a lottery pick point guard. That's all we need to win with this system. It's basically what you the know? IU women's team roster was last year. And and and, and also five team. And also you need all those things to not get out of the first weekend of the tournament. Like, I mean, so again, like you have to step back from yourself if you're Mike Woodson and say, All right, this I can, I got to be objective. It's not working. Yeah, it worked in the NBA with Atlanta however many years ago, and it worked for one season with the Knicks and whatever. Great. Congratulations. Basketball has changed, okay? And you need to change with basketball. And if you don't, you're not going to be around. And and if you want the job, if you want to – I fully believe Mike Woodson wants to bring IU another championship. If you want to, you're going to have to, like – humble yourself a little and change what you're doing and ask for help, which as we have been told many times, he doesn't really do. So it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard in sports guys have egos and they think they know best and all of that. And he's no different than a lot of coaches, but when it's clearly not working, you need to start asking for help and start finding people who can help you as opposed to doing the, I know best thing and keep banging your head into the wall, doing the same thing. Here's the only thing I will say that I think could change the calculus. And look, I'm on record. I think you make two NCAA tournaments after a long drought, even with some of the warts of those seasons, Ryan, I think Woody deserves a fourth year. doesn't mean that I have a ton of confidence in how it's going to go. I think all else equal, he should get a fourth year. The thing that I think could change it, it would change my mind on it. And I think it might make the powers that be, whoever's making this decision, 
maybe think even harder about it is if you find out through back channels that there is a coach who has done it at this level who would be interested in coming right now, then you may rethink that. I Not a Dusty May, not one of those guys necessarily. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I think that's the kind of thing that could change the calculus and spur something to happen. Now, we'll see. There's a lot that's going to play out over the next few weeks, obviously. Um, but, you know, Dolson made a move a year earlier than we thought with Tom Allen and made a bold hire that really fit kind of what the program needed at this moment in a very topsy-turvy college sports world where, you know, Indiana can't be lagging behind in football and basketball. Um, yeah, so I, there are a few – all I'm saying is there are a few variables up in the air that could change what we think is the reasonable and assumed timeline. And so it's just worth watching. You know, yeah, and it's also, more likely than not that Woody comes back. I think he deserves to come back, but I don't think it's a guarantee. At this I point. think in a, in a normal situation, you would be correct. The fact that he's alum, an alum, the fact that he's a legend, and the fact that he's very tight with some of the people in power – I don't think he'll get run out regardless of who's available. Now, I could be, and I'll admit, I could be wrong. Maybe so, there could be something that changes that. But that was the thing I said when we hired him was it's going to be very difficult to get rid of him if it goes badly solely yeah. because he's close with people. He's part of the family. It looks bad if you run him out before he's had a chance to prove himself or whatever. It's tough. And Georgetown ran into the same thing with, with Patrick Ewing. Other schools have done this before. Uh, I don't St. think he John's would get run out. I think part of no. that equation would be him maybe saying, "Okay, you give you know, we we'll, we can negotiate something." I think yes. a lot what a lot of it would have to would be a negotiated buyout. It wouldn't be yeah. like kick him to the curb, but he he'd have to agree to that though, you yes. know. And and so I don't think he would. Um, and that's not a knock on like Woody. He's a competitive guy, and he thinks he can do it. I respect that. I whether I think it can actually happen, I don't know. Yep. Um, okay, let's power through some of the rest of these here. Um, Andy, we'll go to you from James. What is Woody's pitch to portal guards, and why should they believe him? Here's a whole lot of money. Yeah, he's gonna. I mean, throw the Jalen Hutchfino film on. Yeah, I, I think I think Jalen is really the guy that you have to uh, have to go with in terms of being able to. You know, have the have the ball in your hand a lot, be in control of the of the offense, and uh, and, and you know, if I was I was him, would say, hey, you know, I tried to tailor things to to Jalen's strengths in um, in that season with him. I don't know that you could show a whole lot from this season necessarily that would get anybody there. And then otherwise, yeah, I think it's a nil conversation uh, as much as anything to be able to to kind of elevate. Uh, where you know where the program has been, and uh, I, I think your other pitch is certainly playing time, uh, because you know given who will be gone from a roster perspective, there's definitely opportunity to come in. So if if you think that last year that one of the challenges was you couldn't really figure out how to offer somebody playing time because you knew you had X coming back, that's no longer there. You you can very much say, hey, you get the keys, um, and and, and lots of playing time from from day one so i think that's ultimately that the nil and like you said put the the jalen tape on and uh that that feels the 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 the, the combination there to make it work yep it's not the pitch it's who you pitch that's the most important uh i'm all for getting talent 
but elite talent is not the only ones you need to make the pitch for. As we're sitting here watching college basketball, and there's a lot of successful portal transfers, and there's some portal transfers from mid-majors and other things that don't necessarily play well, but it really looks bad when it's littered in the Big Ten with some mid-major guards that are just absolutely scoring and doing things in the Big Ten at Illinois, at Purdue, at other places, and we have gone big game hunting and get denied and then have open scholarships. So for me, I think the pitch is difficult, but it's more who you pitch and how you're evaluating who you're going after and how you put all the pieces together. Like we had a good off season with a bunch of pieces that didn't fit together. Like you, I think this was Crimson Cast who said this, that you you got where one of the better portal transfers you got Mbako who was at Duke to come in, but they haven't fit, and you didn't get a guard. Like you can get stars, and you also, can get great publicity for what you bring in, but if it doesn't fit, and you don't have a system that works. The who you pitch is more important than the pitch, I think, and and it it hasn't been other than a couple elite players. It hasn't been good. And I I, I hear people all the time be like, "Well, they didn't get they didn't get a guard in the portal because X scared everybody off." It's like a guy who was injured all of last year and has been wildly inconsistent scared off competitive guards. Come on, that's BS. They thought they had their guard. It wasn't that they scared them off. They thought they had their guard, and they didn't go after point guards hard you look at the guys they targeted they targeted wings and post guys so it wasn't x being here and well, galloway they just didn't get a lot of traction i mean I, I think there's something to that when you have 10 years of experience with x and trey galloway you know all else being equal you're going to go somewhere where there's a clear path to playing time <clears throat> i mean it was not a sure but if the if the of a part-time player this year as he has been sure but i'll say this if woody didn't say to those guards you could beat him out then he doesn't know his players very well. And that's another indictment of him. I mean, it's not that X yeah. was bad or, or whatever, but he's not consistent. He's never been consistent. Like we have this, you know, view again of his first year where he went on a run of the Big Ten tournament was great. But the rest of that year was a mess up and down. He had some great performance and then he had some terrible performances. So it's not like, you know, we had the guy and then he got injured. I mean, he really struggled the beginning of last year before Jalen Hunchfino took over and so or before he got hurt. And so I, I like anybody who it, it, again, if 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 I use staff went all in on X, okay, I get your loyalty, but that was a mistake because of you've had two years of evidence and whatever he did at Pitt before that as evidence that he was not a consistent basketball player who put up consistent numbers in it you could rely on. So that's that has to go on there. You know, that's a knock against them. It's not, you know, you no, could have picked it guards. Have, it would have been nice to get maybe a lower level guy who could have provided some depth or even played or a younger guy lineups. Yes. Yeah. Or stepped in when X was struggling, but you weren't going to get the kind of guy they're going to be going after now. I mean, you know, to your point, coach, you know, you do have to try and fill the roster with guys who make sense, but they've got to go out and hit a home run at lead guard this year. I mean, they've got to recruit whoever's the best one, whether it's Pope or Wade Taylor or all these guys that people are throwing their names out. I mean, who knows who's going to enter the portal, but they're going to have to fish in the deep waters at that position specifically. His offense needs it. Yeah. But then fill out the rest of the roster with guys that make sense for sure. For sure. Um, all right, coach, this one for you. 
Can Liam McNeely play the two at IU? What are the pluses and minuses? You know, I, I like his game from what you see on tape and when you watch him on, on television. Uh, the the question would be, can he guard at the two, you know, but you're going to guard at the wings anyway. I think he's a great uh, wing, and I think he can play the two or three. It depends on, again, who you have around um, around him. His best thing, no matter what position, and we talk about positionless basketball all the time, is the, his ability to shoot the basketball, get out in transition, and be able to bounce the basketball and get in the paint and make some plays. He's got to be freed up to do that uh, in an offensive system. But I think he can play what, wherever. It, you know, If Trey Galloway's playing a two, then, then I don't necessarily – uh, see why Liam and I, I just haven't seen him as ball handling and and at the you know even though he plays at Mount Verde it, it's a whole different ball game as we've seen with Mbaco right at the college level so you, you each freshman comes in and has a time period of of adapting to the college game and so that would be a reason why maybe he couldn't play the a, a two and he'd have to play more of a forward spot but I, I think if you're that kind of player you can play those things I'd probably say I don't know about his ball handling to be a backup point guard like Trey is but I think he can come in and play the two or the three or any spot on that wing uh, and play it uh, well when he's ready to play Uh, again we all have to be careful with these guys coming in because we thought Mbaco was going to hit the ground running from day one and it took him you know six seven eight games before he even got up to a, a, a good level of play and he's still growing right now as a top 10 recruit so every recruit handles that transition differently and just because Liam's coming and he's highly recruited from a great school doesn't mean he's going to be the savior of Indiana basketball and everything's going to be fine because it might take him a a little bit of time to transition into that productive role that we're going to need him to be probably next year yeah Yeah, I mean I I tell you that it you know I think that would that would worry me if they felt compelled to do that at some point Uh, you know to me it's a little bit of Mbako, but going the other way, like you're really playing somebody ultimately outside of what their natural position probably should be because your roster doesn't allow them to play where they really ought to, or because your philosophy doesn't allow them to play where they really ought to. So, man, that would be kind of a red flag for me if they felt like, cause that's, that would suggest to me that they didn't get enough guards in the portal. And then all of a sudden you got to go try to put him in that, in that spot. But yeah, I mean, I would say it's one of those things like in a pinch in the right matchup, he could probably survive there for a few minutes, depending on who's guarding him and then who he has to guard. But it is not something like I wouldn't create your lineups thinking, hey, Liam at the two, McKenzie and Baco at the three. That's not going to be good. You know, so to your point, Andy, you know, you want to let these young guys get comfortable and get confident. And you're not going to do that very often when you're playing them, you know, outside of the position that they can guard. Why? why, But is he any different than Fletcher Lawyer at Purdue? I don't. Is he better than Fletcher Lawyer? Yeah, he's he's better than Fletcher. He's a better overall player. Yes. I don't know. I mean, but but again, so he's more of a for, more of a forward than he is a guard. I mean, and if he's you play in a college a system, it's a it's a, a wing. You just play a wing. Like a, I think yeah. he's like a true wing more yeah. compared to whatever. That's what I mean. That's why Lawyer's I kind of a standing shooter, whereas he's more of a wing. And I think yeah. I think it depends on you know who would be guarding him. I mean, if you're going up against one of the Northwestern guards, I don't think you're going to want Liam handling the ball a ton in the backcourt. 
you know, or guarding guys like that. So that's what I mean. I just think it's matchup dependent. He's got some skills that he can play all over the place. He can handle you know, the ball. And, and the I difference mean, between two and three sometimes doesn't matter that much. So that, it, just, that it shouldn't, and that's my point. Yeah, yeah. offensively, it really shouldn't. Like yes, defensively, yes. he may have to guard the other team's three, but offensively, right. he can play like a two. If you, you know, I mean, that doesn't always have to work the same way. Like we've talked about, where should play center on defense, and he should probably be a stretch four on offense. We've yes. said that since before the season started, and we de- begged for that since before the season started. Just you're you just match up correctly on defense, and and so I think that's what's going to happen with Liam a lot. And Liam's a guy who he started to this year. It's a new thing for him with Montverde. Is they'll run him off a screen and get him at the top of the key with the ball, not to shoot, but to make a play, and he's yeah. doing it. So yeah. he can drive. Yeah. And again, that's. It's, you 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 were you don't know what the transition is going to be like. Will it take him a while to do that at the next level because the athleticism change and all that stuff? But he's a guy who can do more than just shoot, and I think that that's and that's know. what I'm yeah, saying. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't think you can pigeonhole him, pigeonhole him into a three. I, I I think he's good enough to play a wing, and if we have a system that allows people to play and and score and come off screens, I think you're going to play he can do him. a lot of things. Yeah. You know, we go to three guard lineups, three wing lineups, whatever, whatever you're saying. That's that's my point with this. Is like I don't, I'm tired of pigeonholing these people into one spot, and then like you said, don't put them in the corner and just let them get kickouts all the time. The kid yeah. is pretty good, right? He is. Yeah, so. I mean, he he's not going to be the shooter Miller Cop was right off the bat, but he can do more stuff. So if that's the role he's playing in the offense, we're doing something really wrong. Um, but, you know, he's a freshman also, and so we're going to need to see how his skills and the athleticism translate to this level. But I think he's going to be more versatile than McKenzie Mbaco has been um, early in his career. So, um, okay, let's hit a couple more of these, and then we will get out of here for this week. Um, okay, so this one is, oh, what's the scoop on any of the 2025 Indiana kids plus any leads on Derek Queen? This is from Ricky Rowe. Ryan, chime in if you have anything. It kind of seems nope. like the Derek Queen recruitment, based on several different reports, I wouldn't say it's a reset, but he's kind of stepping back and I think trying to see how the rosters are going to shake out between Maryland, yeah. Indiana, Kansas, and Houston. Um, so it doesn't seem like anything is imminent there. Uh, and then, you know, as far as the 2025 guys, Indiana's in with a lot of them. You know, Braylon Mullins and Malachi Moreno and uh, Trent Sisley and a lot of different names. Harrelson, it, all those guys. Yeah, I mean, and it seems like Indiana's in a good spot with a lot of them. But, you know, it's not like there's any expected commitments coming up. So it seems like Indiana has laid a lot of groundwork with those guys. You're seeing Mike Woodson and the staff go visit them and go watch their games. So Indiana clearly wants to make a big splash with that class. And I think if Mike Woodson's tenure is going to have any staying power, the foundation is going to be built with that 2025 class. You kind of need next year to be a bit of a bridge. And then 2025 (coughs) should lay a foundation of sweet spot type guys that you can build around if all goes according to plan. Now, and they can't have a will, but yeah, they can't have another year. They can't have another year with one commitment. Like that's just, I, I get they went big game hunting this year and shot and missed on a bunch of guys. And by giving attention to all those big names, you missed some of the other guys that could have really nicely filled out your roster. Um, and if you don't get queen, you're wound up with one recruit to show for all that. And Liam's great. And I love him. And I've, I've been singing his praises, but it's one recruit and you're possibly losing six guys, maybe more. Uh, that's poor roster planning. And I know you've got the portal, but I've also said, I'm not sure you can portal your way to a championship. 
Uh, I think that portal guys supplement the guys you're developing. I think that's the way you sh- people need to look at the portal is you go get that one hole you have on your roster. You go get the guy to fill it instead of filling out your roster with portal guys and then finding out, well, these guys we went, they all play differently. They've all been taught differently and they don't fit together. Um, and so I think and that, we're still trying to figure out who we are with six games left. There you go. And, and I think that that's the problem. You need to Jeez. develop a program and then go get the guys that have, that fit what you're doing and that fill you, fill the holes you have. Yes. I, I think you're correct. You know, there, you know, over a long tenure, you may have one season where a guy goes pro early and a guy transfers that you don't expect and you need to use the portal to fill a roster totally for a different, bridge year. Yeah. And it's nice to have that, but it cannot be your year-in, year-out strategy. Again, look to the way the women's program has kind of surgically brought in transfers that are multi-year transfers who can play several seasons and that fill specific roles. She wanted better shooting. She got Scalia. You know, you needed a forward. You go get Sidney Parrish. And these players come in. They fit the system. And they can grow and develop a little bit over time. That's what you need to do. That's how this should work. So hopefully we can get to that. It just feels like now we need to get to a stable place. Yeah. And it nothing seems it doesn't even really feel like next year you can get to much of a stable place because you're just going to be scrambling to fill so many spots. It feels it honestly feels like some of those crane years where where like you'd have a good season then everybody would leave and you were like, "Okay, Boy. what do we do now?" you know. <laughs> yeah. Hi Jeremiah, yep. April, how you doing? That's right. That is right. Um, okay, Andy, let's toss this one to you from James. And I can't read all of this, uh, but it really is terrific uh, in, in a lot of different ways. But James says, okay, this might be the most controversial thing I post on here, but could you justify letting Woodson go if Kentucky fires Calipari? And his reasoning here is if they move on from Calipari and Indiana has a chance to hire Calipari. He is a known quantity. He has succeeded at this level before. He can recruit. He would certainly bring some. He doesn't want to play at Assembly Hall, but he doesn't want to play at Assembly Hall. Yes, he would bring him back to Assembly Hall because he would have to. Uh, I'm going to give James credit. When I saw the first line of this, I was like, James, what the hell are you doing? And then he actually kind of painted a reasonable picture here for, you know, what. That's, that could maybe be is like a bridge to maybe the next coach. James is a longtime subscriber. Love the guy. So I'm giving Robert him his James. due on this question as coach and Ryan just over here, poo poo and everything like they have been all season, shaking their heads, grunting and groaning. Uh, but <laughs> Andy, good question. your thoughts on James's proposal for Indiana. I mean, as I read through the rest of it, James really took us on a journey uh, <laughs> over the course of the, over the course of this. Which, uh, as you said, eventually there were a couple of things. And I was like, I don't, maybe I, you know, I mean, I don't see any scenario where IU would would do that. I, I think Ooh, if wait, Andy, can I can I read the best line real quick? Let me just read the uh, best absolutely, line. Absolutely, go ahead. Does he call me a no talent West Coast ass clown? Because that no, would be the best line. No, <laughs> I feel like he would also have the credibility to come in and modernize the entire IU basketball program, much like Saban did with Alabama football when he left LSU for Alabama. He didn't leave LSU for Alabama. He left no. the Miami Dolphins. Okay, stop. I'm just, just I just so we're ruining a good story. Just let James's question stand on its own please you needed a copy editor what i can't uh, I, I mean it should i think for the from an administrative standpoint to like get over the challenges that it would take to get rid of an iu guy to bring in john calipari would be just Can unbelievable 
Uh, yeah, I, uh, oh I just don't, I, I think the, the arguments James made are, are intriguing in some ways, but I just think the reality of the situation is, uh, to, to suggest there's no way in the world that that's happening. But, uh, like I said, it, it took us on a journey that was, uh, that was Coach interesting Knight for sure. Although, control. although for people who are really interested in IU's defense getting better, I suggest no. you throw on some Kentucky film of this year because they are horrific defensively. So, yeah, no, um, the thing, like, if you're gonna go get Calipari, who's had NCAA issues and whatever else, <laughs> I know where this is going. If you're gonna yeah. wipe all of that out, like, it opens your book to everybody. There's a guy at Houston right now. Uh, there we go. But there no, but no. You, every but like, every no. episode of Assembly Call Radio, an hour and 30 minutes in, either we or the chat mob is talking about Kelvin Sampson. It's either that Kelvin Sampson or is. Steve Alford. It's it's either Kelvin Sampson or Steve Alford every time. No, Who would but you I rather mean, have? If those are your two options. Oh, Sampson. He's a way better coach. <laughs> I'd, I'd hate myself, but we'd be winning. Um, Let's add some names. No, Chris but like, Beard. Nate, like Nate Oates, Chris <laughs> oh Beard. Like if you're going to, if you're going to Bruce Pearl. If you're going to lower the standard, yeah, go get Bruce Pearl or Nate Oates. Or, and Nate Oates hasn't done anything from an NCAA perspective, but he just you know, handled yeah. the whole murder thing pretty badly. Um, but I, I would say, like, you know, I mean, you go get Chris Beard. Like, if you're going to lower I, that, the that standard. That one, to me, with okay, the that, – that's different. a different – I mean, to me, that's a different – like, NCAA violations yes, are one thing. No, I know. The I'm, domestic I'm, violence stuff is – I'm, I'm throwing not, I'm not, his, I understand, but throwing his name out. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to, if you're going to just wipe away any like semblance of a standard, just there's plenty of, you open your door to a lot of guys and Bruce Pearl certainly wanted. Now, Bruce, by the way, Bruce Pearl would crawl over broken glass to have the IU, the IU job. He absolutely would. That's it's the job he wants shirtless. Cause that would, that could yes. be painful. Yes. Okay. Naked, completely naked. <laughs> wow. If Bruce Pearl, right. Well, I if know what my Bruce next Pearl AI generated co- image is going to be. <laughs> oh if I don't do it, Jared, don't do it. If we if we hire Bruce Pearl, I'm doing a podcast shirtless. I'm just telling you, in I know celebration. You probably no. should come on the podcast with us shirtless. I know we should yes. just we should just open the emergency podcast with none of us wearing shirts. <laughs> second, no, I want I want to get back to James here for just a second. Okay, get back to James. Um, Here's where I do think James has a point. I don't like it necessarily with Calipari, but you can't be afraid to to at some point, either when Woodson is done on his own accord or if he, if Indiana decides to move on, you got to go out and get a coach, a good established coach. And I know that might be more difficult than it than I would want it to be, but Indiana has really struck out and had minimal success with some coaches, but a lot of issues. And each coach from Sampson to Crean. Uh, Davis, everyone had some things they did well, but then ultimately it didn't work out. And in, 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 if Indiana's going to get back, you got to hire a good coach. And you can't be afraid of all of the different things. And, and again, we don't want to lower our standards as low as we were just messing around and joking. But you can't be this, I, I want an alumnus, I, I, wanna, I want this, I want someone who makes – we are in the world of NIL, paying players and heavy recruiting. Everything's out the window. We want to win. Like, and I'm not for, I mean, there's no cheating anymore. Um, so go get someone that has proven that they can go win basketball games by what they do inside the program, inside the locker room and on the floor, instead of all of these highfalutin qualifications that we got to meet that haven't worked. Um, you know, it just, you have to go get a coach. You can't miss the next one whenever that next one 
is. You just got, and if we do, then it's it's we're four more years down the road with the same conversation. But there are good coaches out there if you want to go get them, uh, and, and you just have to. That's what James was talking about. Substitute a better name in for Calipari, <laughs> and, and then the answer is is yes. Yeah, no, that's well said, Coach. I think, I, mean, I think everybody's reached that point um, at this point. And again, hopefully Woodson can be that guy. All of us here want that to happen. You know, there's a big difference between what we want to happen, but what our eyes are telling us. You know, that's that's the problem. Because um, at the end of the day, this is you know big boy and big girl college sports now, and you got to win and you got to put a product on the court that makes sense and that fans are entertained by and that fans believe in. You know, and right now that's not happening with Indiana basketball, and hopefully we can get it to happen. Um, all right, last one from Kathy. Coach, we'll send this to you. If McKenzie Holmes somehow manages to pass Calvert, how will you simultaneously celebrate and mourn? No, that's for you. You're you're the you're the Calvert. Oh, this, que- this question was for me. Uh, oh yeah, but you don't I mourn. Would, I would like what a like great crazy. accomplishment. There's no mourning. Yeah, yeah. there's no, no mourning. No. And, and, Just and, awesome. By the way, I do, I do want to say this though. Because inevitably what would come up is, well, McKenzie Holmes played five years and Calvert only played four. Does not matter. It's career points. You should get a bonus if you come back for another year and play more games. You meant more to the program if you played more games. There's a reason why they have points per game, and you can always look at that. I mean, George McGinnis has the highest points per game in Indiana history. Calvert Chaney wasn't the best, you know, pure scorer, you know, but he scored the most points because he stayed here the longest and contributed to a lot of winning. And that's what McKenzie Holmes has done for Indiana. So I don't buy this argument that, well, they played five seasons, so it doesn't count or it should have an asterisk next to it. I just don't think that. There's other ways to judge that kind of stuff. But career points is career points. She's phenomenal, and I hope she breaks every record because she deserves it, and she's represented Indiana basketball in the best possible way. I mean, I can't think – outside of Calvert, you know, I can think of very few other people who would represent the university better in that position as its all-time leading scorer. So there would be no mourning. There would just be tons of celebrating. Uh, and I'm sure Calvert would feel the same way. So um, there's a couple, there's a few other ones here. We're not getting to, cause I think we mostly answered them in the first couple segments. John asked about analytics and what analytics Indiana uses. I don't really know. I think they use shot quality at what point at one point, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I would assume they have subscriptions to a lot of this stuff. I know some people are like, why doesn't Indiana pay attention to analytics? It's not that they don't. That information is there circulating around. It's just whether it's used by the final decision makers. Uh, but I have no doubt that the information is there at their disposal. Um, okay, I think we got all those. Any final thoughts from you gentlemen? When does Indiana play? Sunday, Northwestern, at what time? 3 o'clock Eastern, I want to say. Oh, nice. Yeah, 3 o'clock Eastern. Nice little midday game. Is it? Um, I should be good for that one. Um, Indiana baseball starts tomorrow, which should be an excellent year right. for Indiana baseball. Streaming Pre-season on ESPN in the, in the 10, middle of the right? day. Preseason number two in the Big Ten. Braden Reisdorf on the mound, big right-hander. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is a new name coming in. Uh, Devin Taylor, Golden Spikes Award winner. It should be fun year at the Bart. Not that Andrew um, Wiggins, Ryan. I was going to say, Andrew Wiggins, have things gone that badly with the Warriors that he's... No, not that <laughs> Andrew Wiggins. Okay. It is Andrew Wiggins, right? Gosh. The baseball, I think his name is... It's you would know better than any of the rest. No better than any of us. I watch the games, but uh, do not retain the names of the players. Unfortunately, baseball's fun, and and those people here in in Central Indiana get to the Bart. It's a it's a great place to enjoy 
a, a spring evening or, or a Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, and it's very, very good baseball. Coach Mercer is fantastic. Um, if you can, sit close to the dugout and just listen how he operates with his players. It, it's a, a master class in motivation and, and, and encouragement and butt-kicking when it needs to be, but he is – he is just incredible to to be uh, to be around. We've got some coaches, man. I mean, yes. Mercer and Morin and Yegley, and I mean, Signetti hasn't coached a game yet, but obviously everybody. Oh, likes but he's the he's great. Everybody likes what he's about, and he's proven it in the past. And obviously, swimming and diving, and the softball team is good. I mean, it's there's yeah, a lot aired of with coaches, yeah. a lot of good teams. Yeah. At Wrestling had a good year, I think. Yep. Aren't they in the middle of a good year? I'm going to say yes, but I don't know for sure. But all the other teams are doing well. So. I know they beat Purdue a couple weekends ago. So that's about, that's, that's all that matters. That is, that is all that matters. Yes, it is. All right. Let's get out of here. That's going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to Jim, uh, John Ringer of RigDesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening and being here live. We'll be back on Sunday after the IU Northwestern game. Until then. Take it from me, Anthony Leal. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is done, Sony. Shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. Shoot the All ball. All right, gents. Well, look at that. 90-minute assembly call radio. We haven't done – we haven't kept it within – And, and Ryan made it. Time. Ryan made it. I'm about know? to go sleep, but, yeah, I'm, I made it. I survived. It'll be an interesting game on Sunday without – they don't have Ty Berry – Boo boo is going to drop thirty, right? Indiana will win. I, I think. I think we'll win Sunday. Yeah, I think they're reeling a little bit without Ty Berry, and then they, they got lost on the road tonight. to Rutgers. Did you see? And the then last you got a play? quick turnaround. I mean, it's back to Chicago, back to oh, Bloomington. I think that's going to be a rough turnaround. Did you, did you guys see that final play? Boo Booey yeah. got fouled on that three point attempt. I'm I, sorry. I, I don't know. I thought he was. Trying he to leaned sell it. in. He did, he and that's why they didn't it. get it. Oh, I mean, they Booby never should have had fouled on a game winner. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, they the the worst one tears. was losing for a team that has no depth to lose Lang Warner on on that. Yes, on that as a what I did know. he do? I missed it. He he was trapped along the sideline, and he was trying to kind of clear space, and he kind of elbowed he elbowed the guy in a not great place to get elbowed as he was trying to clear. I could see it as a one clear space. Yeah, it was definitely a one. Like I could see it. It's not but then edge. like Rutgers at one point guy got tangled up, went down, basically stepped on another guy's leg to try to yeah. keep him from getting up to get on the court. And that was only a one. I mean, that was not a basketball yeah. play whatsoever, which is what I thought the rule. So, yeah, it was. And, and again, I mean, not a great player, but for them where they don't have a ton of depth, like losing somebody in that scenario is more impactful to them than even if they had thrown the Rutgers guy hey. out because it was a backup guy but he's a great player he's the all-time leading scorer at la jolla country day school in san diego and okay. uh is also led them to a state title so are you second no i'm not second no there's <laughs> actually a kid i played with is uh was a freshman when i was a senior was the all-time leading scorer and he surpassed him wow. so it would have been a long time that record had stood that high school has produced some talent it has produced some talent it has yeah <laughs> Had a Heisman Trophy winner 
at one point. See? Wait, who's the Heisman Trophy winner? Podcast host. Oh, Rashawn Salam. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, a girl I graduated with is the head of Disney Parks right now. Um, that's some famous, there's some famous alums in my class. The hell happened to you? I know, right? <laughs> I'm sitting in a dingy you're, you're San Diego. talking to my ugly face to on a Thursday night. On a Thursday night, uh, yeah. 7.30. Wow. I should be out enjoying myself. No, um, <clears throat> yeah. I graduated with 83 people. Oh. It was a very small school. Ours was like 140, I think. Yeah, the private, the public school at my house was like 400 um, class. Yeah. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Well, Minnesota's down five. Yeah, yeah they're. I think they're reviewing another play. Things are getting a little chippy. Edie just got his fourth and kind of stepped over somebody, and so they're reviewing something. Edie I, did. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they're. Fouls are eight. I'm not really sure what they're reviewing it for, to be honest. But the fouls are eighteen to thirteen. Basketball games at the end. It's it is such. Yeah, I mean, it was a hard hard foul, but it was clearly just a common foul. Like, why do we have to go look at it for four minutes? Hey, hey, coach, how does that affect the actual play on the court? You know, I mean, obviously, you know, sometimes you can go talk with a coach. It can be like an extra timeout, but I just feel like, man, you're just you're sitting there. Whatever flow the game had. It's going to be different. It, it just and basketball is a flow game. I don't know. I just I hate it. Is it? I, I, I after watching Indiana for the last like well, decade. <laughs> I I don't like the free timeouts. Uh, I also don't like the fact that a whistle and a stoppage of clock at the thirteen minute mark of the first half. You don't look for point oh two seconds, and then at the end of the game, you spend five minutes, and some coach gets to draw up a play. I mean, I think that just. You know, I, I'm a big proponent of keeping the players away from the coaching staff. Have one official out, and you got to stand there. If we're if we're reviewing it, you don't get a free timeout. Let your players coach on a team, but the time of it, it, it has to be adjusted to the calls made on the floor. You get a minute and a half, and if it's not, then it wasn't clear cut. Yep. It's got to be clear cut in a minute and a half. And the other thing that that bothers me is is what you can review and what you can't review. And then when you go and look, and if you can't review it, and you see it's a clear foul, but it was out of that. That if you're worried about getting stuff right, and you go to the monitor for a, a good reason, and you find another thing that happened, you should be able to to change that. But the timing's too long. Uh, I don't know if it disrupts play, but if I have a free throw shooter for a one and one with up one, and you're looking at point one second or two second difference, and you take five minutes, I think that's inherently against the the you know the game. That kid should to have the other coach take a timeout if you want to ice the ice the kid. It's just yeah, way too long. And I don't like this. Every ball that goes out of bounds under two minutes, everyone's calling for a review. <laughs> yeah. No, each team should get one, one a game. And if and you're, other if than you're that, right, co- I'll say if you're right, yeah. you should keep it. You should get to keep, if you were if you make a right call, you should keep your challenge. Like because yeah. it's not your fault they made a bad mistake. If you but if right. you're wrong, you don't get any more. But what you do is you you tell kids to do that because any time a player you get a timeout, yeah, it's clear cut out of bounds. Do this, they got to go. They got to go review. It, it is. It, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh my gosh, that tree was long. <laughs> you make it. All right. Yep. Yeah. I gotta go. All right, guys. Ryan, feel right. better. Uh, yeah. Let me know who's available Sunday. I'll probably yeah. be available. Andy, I am not. I am out on Sunday. Are you allowed to give out your last four seed? I'm done. I'm not going to change it. Who's your last four seed before the reveal? 
Uh, I don't know. I still haven't looked. I haven't finished stuff. I got to look at some things tonight. And uh, he's being sneaky in the morning. No, I'm, I'm definitely holding not. back his information. Definitely not. <laughs> Who's your one? Definitely not. What? Yep. Who's number one? Oh, well, uh, don't, don't make don't me say it. Question. Don't make me say it on here. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Not for one. me, Andy Clemson. Um, Clemson is a sneaky team inside the top four, and I don't know if I like it or not. But anyway. Yeah, I, I I did like a preliminary look earlier, but I haven't. I was waiting to see a few games tonight right. and then see what I think. So I don't want to be rude and leave before anybody else, but I'm leaving right. before anybody else. Goodbye, guys. Right. We're good. I'm done. <laughs> I gotta go too. Right. I'm out. Adios. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.